Good morning. Welcome to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today we're going to kind of grab a topic that we've discussed a little bit before, but not as in-depth as we're going to go. And we're going to have a special guest on, my friend Kristen, retired Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6. And why Kristen is on, she has come up with an idea, and I actually like it, of kind of doing like a comparative religion. And today will be the first kickoff of that. Then we're going to try to do one every month, every four to six weeks, however. And I'll be bringing in some different guests uh, so we can go real deep. But with Kristen's background and the things that she saw overseas, uh, it should add a different kind of element to it. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. No problem. Um you know, I, I was, uh, after we talked last night real quick, um, I went back to the painting of The Last Supper, as I asked you to do as well. And what you saw is what I've seen. And what my youngest daughter, McKenna, when she was about 10, I asked her to find the woman in the picture. And right to the right of, of Jesus at The Last Supper, as it's painted, looks like a very feminine Matthew as one of the disciples. And it, yeah. a lot of people, not a lot, but there's a fair amount of people who believe that could be Mary Magdalene, who might have been married to Jesus, which would make some sense back in the day. If you were a Jewish man of that age, uh, we very uncommon not to have been married, especially if you're walking around. Yeah. As, as, as Sam Kinison put it, with like 12 other dudes, it just doesn't quite match up to how... Yeah, I think it was actually... It's actually a tenet of Judaism before you can become a, uh, you know, a priest that you have to be married. Yeah, it's it, and it's kind of. So I think it's a requirement for him to actually step up on on the box and and you know be in a pulpit. Yeah, and and that was done. Of course, Jesus preached. Yeah. And he preached yeah. in different places. But let me ask you this now: What religion? Well, I want to go deeper than that. I want to I want to actually start from the beginning. Well, let me, let, let, let's give a basis, though. Let's give a basis of where we come from. How were you raised? What's your religious background? Well, I was raised Christian because mm -hmm. I was born in the United States in New York from, you know, two Christian parents. You know, who knows if I was born in some other country or whatever happened. It, would I contain the same soul if I was born mm -hmm. in the same country? Or was it just time for my soul to actually inhabit his body? And then it just so happened I was born in New York. So would I have been the same soul if I was born in another country? You know, that's a tough question. But I think I was kind of forced into this religion because of where I was born and when I was born and who I was born to. Well, I've often said, and you and I agreed when we were together earlier that's this week. That's the depth yeah. I want to get to. That's it. Yeah. That's not a problem. because That's where we're going to go. Yeah. My background, uh, born Roman Catholic, uh, was an altar yeah. boy for years, uh, came up in the religion, and you're, as we discussed, you're born into your religion. You really don't choose yeah. it. It's who you're born to, and exactly how much do they practice actively. And when you're born. I mean, we were born, I was born in 1966. Yep. What if I was born in, you know, 500 B.C.? You know, I mean, that's when Siddhartha was walking to Earth, who is the founder of Buddhism. It's so Siddhartha was born in approximately 500 B.C., We'll just say 500 B.C. So if I was born in 600 B.C., what religion would I have been born to? And that's... And those yeah. people born back in those days, could they be Christian? 
Wait, so all those people automatically go to hell because they're born before Jesus? Well, if you're not baptized, that's a belief within the Catholic Church, per se. Well, it's also, if you look at Christianity, I mean, it it's basically lays out the, the groundwork that you can only go to heaven through Jesus Christ and by the faith and the fact that he is the Son of God. And then if you have, wait, the Son of God? So that means you have to believe in the Son, but what about the bigger dude? What about God? Well, Son of God, so then you have the two? Holy Spirit So there's well. actually, in Christianity, you're polytheistic already, and they claim to be monotheistic because they play these word games with God the Father and the Holy Ghost. So it's, it's in, again, within so it's the Catholic confusing. Church. There's so many contradictions and there's so many things that just don't really make sense, and it's like, shouldn't religion make sense? Shouldn't it be transparent and kind of intuitive? Well, let's That's step back for a second. Let's step back for a second. Do you believe that man controls religion? Because I do. I believe that men make up the rules. That's how they control other men, especially back in the day when very few people could read or write, and the ones that yeah, could exactly. were usually religious-based people, yeah. the bishop, the cardinal, the people that followed him. So yes. it's it's something born out of tradition, but born out of man's greed to control other men. Or power. Or power. Yes. Yeah. Property. Property. I mean, you go back. Yeah. I mean, the Catholic Church has so much money, so yeah. much property. Uh, I mean, they yeah. could sell a painting from the Vatican and probably fix all the problems over here in the states because. Of, and they of talk about charity and taking care of the poor. Yet they have so much gold gilded shitters. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to say that's that. right, but that's okay. Have, that's okay. My man golden, here just dumped it. They have so golden bathrooms. They have golden. Yeah. Where are these robes made of gold? And it's just it's disgusting. Well, let's let's go to you here then. Now you were part of the Iraq invasion in '03. Uh, we've yes. discussed this personally. We've discussed this on the air. Now you personally saw the um, the different uh, what do you want kingdoms or however you want to put it that Saddam yeah. lived in. Now. As he oh, took care of himself. Were, yeah. His palaces were, they were disgusting also. They were all marble. There was gold everywhere. The light fixtures on the walls were gold. He had golden toilets. He had golden, there was just so much excess. I sat on his throne, and the throne was like inlaid with gold, and it was just amazing. It was huge. And then, so I saw all of that. But I also saw the torture chambers. Mm. I also saw... You know, southern Iraq, who some of the people in a tribe that he did not like, he was basically starving them out. He was shutting off the water to the dam so they couldn't grow their crops down south. And so, I mean, there was, like, incredible excess and an incredible uh, meanness to other people. Like, as a ruler, he was, it, was, it was terrible. And the torture chambers, I mean, you go in there, and I don't know, because of maybe the real old blood and the, the history... So blood and sweat and everything else that was all in these rooms. When you walked in there, you could just smell death. It was like not the rooms. There was no there was no dead body in there. It was just so much stuff happened in those rooms. It was just it was inside the concrete of the rooms. It was it was incredibly it was disgusting. It was horrifying. And of course, you know Saddam was was a Muslim. Um, obviously, yeah. I mean, did he practice? Who knows? Uh, it appears that. For him, the greed and the power took over. Which, well, the thing is, the thing is that he could totally follow the faith of Islam and do all of the above. 
I mean, basically, Islam, if you follow the five pillars of Islam, you can follow the five pillars to the T, and you can torture people at the same time. You could kill and maim and shut up the dams and starve your people out and follow the five pillars, and you'd be fine. Well, explain the five pillars so the audience understands that. What The well, five pillars. Okay, so the five pillars of Islam, uh, basically faith, prayer, charity, fasting, and a pilgrimage of Mecca is the first. So the first one, faith, basically you have to just say the single sentence, there is only one God, and Muhammad is, the, is God's messenger. So if you believe in that, you say, there's only one God. Okay, yeah, there's only one God. And Muhammad is his messenger. That one thing is your faith, you're done. Boom. You've got that one covered. Saddam Hussein and any torturer could say that, and they're good for the first one. Prayer. You pray five times a day. Yeah. And there's other prayers also. There's, there's probably 100 prayers. But there's basically, there's basically five prayers, five daily prayers. So if you kneel down and prostrate yourself to that one God you already profess, and you say those five prayers, you're good. Bam, there's number two. Number three is charity. Basically, if you give a percentage of your wealth, so let's say you you make, you know, 100 bucks a year. If you give out, you know, 5, 10, or 20, depending on how much you want to buy yourself into whatever you want to buy yourself into, the kingdom. you give a percentage of that. If you're a millionaire... You give a certain percentage, so maybe you give 10000 you give 100000 But once you profess your amount of charitable giving, that's, you're obligated to give that amount. There's also a funny thing in there that's also written, and I don't know if this is uh, practiced by Shia and Sunni alike, but you must distribute whatever uh, you take from that community, which is kind of odd. Hmm. I don't know if you're living over here in the States, and you take a lot of money because you own a Seven Eleven. That's kind of stereotypical. If you own a car <laughs> yeah, <it> wash, <laughs> if you own whatever, if you own a store or something, you take all that money from all the Christians that live around you. You're supposed to give that money back to the Christians. It's a lot of really weird things in that one. So, and also it's percentages. If you don't, if you say I'm only going to give this much, and that's what you give, then you're good. You got it covered. So if I'm a millionaire, I say I'm going to give ten thousand a year, and I give that ten thousand a year, I'm good. And that's now, the way it works. Now so the, the, another one, the next one is fasting. Hmm. So if I fast, and the really only required fast, I'm pretty sure we're we'll going to bring somebody in to kind of talk about these more in depth. But mm -hmm. I'm just covering them quickly. Yep. So if you fast during Ramadan, then you're good. That one's covered. And in the pilgrimages, it says you, you should attempt a pilgrimage. So it's not really a required, but you should attempt. And a pilgrimage is to Mecca. Mm -hmm. And that's called the Hajj. And if you actually do the pilgrimage to Mecca to become a Haji, and then you're, you're, you're venerated, basically, because you did that pilgrimage. Because the pilgrimage is pretty tough. I think it's easier nowadays because you can take an airplane, you have a car bring you there, and then you basically get uh, somebody to carry you into there. So nowadays, it's not quite as strenuous. I mean, think about, you know, 500 years ago. Think about 1,000 years ago. Think about, you know, the pilgrims would have been much more difficult than it is nowadays. You, you can buy your way to become a haji now. Back in the old days, you actually, it was strenuous. It would take a long time. It would take a lot of money. It would take you six months to get there. So now it's not quite as strenuous. But basically, I just showed you that you could pretty much be anybody and follow these five pillars and you're good.
you got all the boxes checked off, and bam, you can do whatever you want. Well, what about... There's nothing really in there about deed. There's nothing really in there about, you know, how you treat each other. What I've always Which is a little seen. different than Christianity or mm. paganism. There's a, there's a lot of things you have to really follow pretty tight to actually be a pagan. And Buddhism, there's, there's an incredible amount of things you have to do, and you have to live it every day. Which is funny between Buddhism... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. That's okay. No, between no, you're Buddhism, good. Buddhism and paganism, there's one common thread that's really kind of cool, and it's karma. So in Buddhism, it's karma. They talk about a lot of, you know, what you reap is what you sow. Basically, in karma, every cause has, a, has an effect. You affect everything, and everything affects you, which is more the way that pagans relate. It's a web of weird. So in, in paganism, it's this huge web, and that web is the entire universe. It is all the gods. It is all the humans. It is everyone together, and everything you do within that web affects you and you affect it. Now, depending on what you do, you might not have a very huge thread. It might not be giant effects. And it makes that entire web. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of a ripple effect. It's pretty cool. So those two religions, uh, by themselves, everything you do affects everything. And everything affects you. And so you have to be really careful. Your deeds have huge consequences. And also your deeds will have consequences to the entire universe in both of those, you know, paths, those followings, those religions. Hold on with that, Kristen. Hold on. We're, we're, we're going to take a break. I want to come back, and I want to touch on that a little bit more, Far East religion, okay. as far as responsibility. You, you hit on something that I like. You're listening to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest, Kristen Beck, we are talking comparative religions. Be right back. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Really, Today, my special guest, Navy SEAL retired, Kristen Beck. We are talking comparative religions. We're coming from Kristen's point of view, um, basically her experiences overseas. Uh, Kristen, which leads me to ask a quick question here. In your yeah. SEAL training, was it part of the training to learn the culture of where you might be deployed at? Meaning, understanding the religious backgrounds of the different sects that you might come in contact with. I mean, it, it has to be part of that so you don't make a mistake in the cultural part, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, before we go anywhere, we have uh, cultural uh, classes, and we talk about pretty much everything. And most of the cultural, you know, snafus that we get into deal with religion and deal with dogma. And so those would be the ones that you really kind of emphasize mostly. And it turns out that some of the ones that we had to really work on, uh, the, the most difficult ones to comply is, is, is Islam when I went to the Middle East. I kind so of, the, yeah. Far, Far East wasn't so bad. I mean, there was a few things that they said were, hey, this is, it's, it's uh, bad manners. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really like a cultural, it's not really, it's, it's a bad, if you want to have good manners, you know, respect them and their, uh, you know, their rituals and things. So, uh, but Islam was more like, these are rules. You know, if you mess this up, you're going to get your hand cut off. You, you screw this one up. Basically, if you leave the gate, you're off American soil. If you get off the ship, you're off American soil. And if you mess up, you're going to be in that Turkish prison. Exactly. And there are still Americans 
who are held in yeah. Turkish prisons yeah. right now for God knows yeah. how much longer. Now, getting back to the Far East, as we've touched obviously a little bit more on the um, the Muslim religion, uh, we'll get into Christianity a little bit more in a second. But within the Far East, within Buddhism and other parts of religion in that area, yeah. they seem to be more geared towards personal responsibility. Not that you know, all religions are, but I have to I say... I wouldn't say all, but... Most, most I, religions. I think that's, well, take a look at how you said that, though. Mm. That was interesting. Go ahead. So it has to do with, it has to do with responsibility. Yeah. It has to do with personal responsibility for your actions and how they affect everything. Now, if your religion just basically says that you have to believe in this and there's your path to salvation and have faith, then there's not a whole lot of responsibility on you. You just have to you have to just you just have to have faith. They don't have to live very much. And that was that's Christianity. Then also if you go into Islam, it's kind of the same thing. But then if you go to Buddhism, uh, the Hindu same thing, uh, paganism, Confucianism, there's a, there's a lot of them where you look at them that there really is a personal responsibility that and it goes into karma and it goes into the web, the tree of life and everything else, that we feed all of it together. But then you go in and take a look at that division. So if you have Judaism, Christianity, uh, Islam, those are Abrahamic uh, religions. Those are based upon basically one, you know, Abraham, the father of all of the tribes, uh, all the tribes, and then those tribes split off into these various parts of the world, and then they grew into these different religious cultures and religious, you know, dogmas and followings. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, with, without a doubt. And, and again, so it's kind of interesting how they, and then take a look even deeper, does your religion uh, follow the creator or the creation? And is the creator part of that creation? It's a deep Christianity, point. you have yeah. to believe in God and the Son and the Holy Ghost and all that. They believe. So basically, your trust, your faith, and your entire religion is based on the Creator. Within the, and if you, I'm sorry, I was going to say within the Catholic so, Church, the the no, Father, Son, all, and the Holy Ghost. Well, it's Christianity itself. Because it, it, basically, it's, yeah. that's where, where evolution and science and everything else. You can basically blow all that off. You don't care about that. I don't care about the creation. I don't care about the earth. Because I basically have to follow God the Father. I believe in Jesus, and he's my past salvation, and all that other stuff. If I do all of that, I don't care about the earth. I don't care about the creation itself. I don't care about me, the body, and my temple, basically. So if I believe in the creator, that takes up basically Islam, Christianity, and a lot of that, those religions. Because if I take care of the creator, I'm good. I'm saved. So the heck with creation. But then if you have these other, so science and all that, you know, I don't care about it. So that's why Islam, they can follow, you know, I can go back in time to 1,000 A.D. I can go back 1,000 years and live that in caves, and I'm good. And that's kind of what they want. They want to bomb us back to the Stone Ages, and they want to go back to, and back in time to that time. And Christianity kind of the same way. If you think about a lot of the way the Catholic Church is treating itself right now, they don't care about science and, and anything new. They don't care about this new knowledge, this new wisdom that we're gaining through advances in everything. You see what I'm saying? I understand. I, I 
my my beliefs if i've gotten older and i've come to see things I see God as being inside of me, a place to tap into. Okay, now you're getting into the creation itself. You are itself. part of the creation. Exactly. God is part of that creation. But I also see... That's a whole see, different religion then. But I, it, exactly. It's not Christianity. It, exactly. It kind of, and for you probably even more so than me, you're, when you're exposed to more, more religion, different yeah. beliefs, different people, yeah. if you're a smart person... You question what you've learned growing up, and you you look around yeah. and you try to incorporate. I well, maybe not really a smart person. How about no, an open mind? Open minded person, someone who's going to say, yeah. you know, I do not believe in a wrathful God. If you can even call that entity God, I don't believe in a wrathful type of entity that's going to punish to the extremes. I, I just don't. I think so many factors go into making a person a person. So you do uh, believe that there is a God? Yes. Yeah, I believe there's an entity. I believe there is an afterlife. The easy word to put on is God because it's like... It encompasses it's just, everything. There's, there's something that started this whole thing. There's something out, something greater than us. There's something that started a lot of this. There's something, something happened. Agreed. Now, how did that happen? Is that... Can we just say that a long time ago, millions and millions of years ago, there was something going on, and it was something kind of magical maybe, or something that happened, and we can call that entity, that power, that that energy a god? Or just, just say it's god? For lack, I, I guess the word god is universal. So most it's an easy term to say that. I, I believe it's the energy. I believe it's all of us yes. together. I believe it's like greater than... We can even imagine it's so it's so amazing. It's, it's hard for human beings to put it into words, and so we just use lazy words. We say God, a word that we're brought up with. I mean, it's easier to yeah. tell a child, you know, what God is and what God is. Now, what do you make of the Ten Commandments, which are obviously stressed within Christianity and within the Catholic Church more so than anything else, really? Well, well, I mean, I think we need a moral code. We need some kind of a, a guide. And that guide is law? Is it law or is it a guide? Is it something that if we live by all these codes, then we would be uh, morally upright and able to uh, rise up to a different plane of existence? Because of the God, like you just said a few things that were kind of interesting, that we are part of that whole thing. And that God is part of me, and I am part of God. And so if I'm living against all of these codes, I'm living against these commandments, then I wouldn't be able to become that, that better step. And I'm saying a lot of things that I'm trying to talk around Buddhism because I keep falling. I, can't, I fall into the same Buddhist track because the Ten Commandments is pretty easily uh, translated into the five precepts of Buddhism, and it can also be translated into the Code of Nines in paganism. Very easy translation between all of those three things, the Code of Nines, the Ten Commandments, and the Five Precepts of Buddhism. So right there, I have paganism, Christianity, and Buddhism all in one thing. And it's a code that you can live by. It's a commandments, it's, it's a precepts to make me live a better life as far as these guidelines are concerned. And yeah. basically, it's, it's about, you know, killing, it's about stealing, it's about lying, 
It's about living an upright life. You think- taking care of each other. I want to take care of my family. I want to defend my family against this and this. I want to live honorably. And that goes into the paganism and kind of Buddhism combined and the Christianity. I mean, the three of those, take a look at those three things. The Code of Nines and Paganism, the Ten Commandments, and the Five Precepts in Buddhism. If you study those three and look at them and try to draw the parallels between all of them, I can't do the same for Islam. I wish I could, but you can't. But take a look at those three. It's, it's pretty wonderful how they translate across each other. And I don't think it's a coincidence that happens. I think you have religion. Most religions fall into a category. They have a belief system, a code, like you're saying. And then you have the three major religions, which pretty much claim the same spot as their original you know, birthplace over in the Middle yeah. East. So you have the fighting that goes on in God's name. And I just got the high sign from the uh, producer here. So we're going to take another break. break. Yeah, we're going to come back. So we're going to stay with okay. this. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest, Kristen Beck. We are talking comparative religions. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. My guest today, retired Navy SEAL Kristen Beck. We are talking comparative religions, kind of bouncing around a little bit, as we always do when Kristen's a guest. It's kind of hard to yeah. pin her down, to, but that's okay, because it's opening things up for, I think, an open, some open-minded thought, which I think is what we need here. Now, Kristen, yeah, with... This show, I think this show is like an introduction this is going to be far out. We're going to look at a lot of stuff, and then maybe we can dig in deeper in a few of these things. But the one that I really want to dig into would be what I spoke about uh, during the last break or before the last break was about the creator and the creation. And you go into, like, Mother Earth. You go into every plant and animal and how wonderful this universe is. And then talk about science and physics and quantum mechanics and we can and gravity. And then think about water. You know, without the weird thing that water does, think about every uh, liquid and how it turns solid. It becomes it goes from basically a liquid to a solid, and it becomes heavier because it becomes more dense. True. Right. Yep. Except water. So if water followed the rule that things that become more dense become heavier, and then water would sink if it's in its own liquid, and if water sank. There would be no life on, I mean, if water became ice and it sank, there'd be no life on Earth. Think about it. Because all the ice would form, it would sink to the bottom of the ocean, it would get thicker and thicker, and the whole Earth would be a solid ice chunk. Okay. So because water does something weird. Interesting. It, it floats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it, it makes life on Earth possible. And water, to me... Um, How awesome is that? Well, that's, again, that's... The creation, this this world, this universe, is so amazing. Just the human body itself. I mean, it, that's, we should, that should be on the same level as a godlike entity. As far as how we look at it as human beings sitting here on this little planet, we should look at the Mother Earth as an equal, and yet we treat Mother Earth so terribly. Oh, that's the, the greed of... Mankind. I really want to dig into that. I just the That's creation itself. Not a problem, and and, okay. and I and I see almost a com, more or less a combination between 
creationism, you know, to create as well as evolution. I don't see how you can separate the two. I think yeah, they I both yeah. go hand in hand because who's to say what a day was or what a year was to the creator? <laughs> And then with the you know within the evolutionary process. Now this goes. Well, here's against. a different way to look at it. Check mm-hmm. this out. So you're just saying that the day might be different. Yeah, the but time frame. Think, okay, but that's, that's, think about it this way. So if you have a three-year-old, a three-year-old kid, and that three-year-old kid is sitting there in a classroom with Albert Einstein, and Albert Einstein is up on his chalkboard and he's drawing out all the equations about. Relativity and relativity, and he's drawn just examples of, and his chalkboards are full, and he fills up 20 chalkboards, and he's trying to explain time. Or he's trying to explain just some real simple thing to that three year old. He's trying to explain light to that three year old, right? With yeah. 20,000 chalkboards full of equations and in depth and everything else. It's funny you mentioned so, that. So the, what I would say, instead of those 20 or 30 or 1,000 chalkboards full of Einstein's equations, I would just say, let there be light. So as a god trying to explain to these primitive people, trying to stick something on paper, it's going to be genitive, let there be light. It's not going to give you 20 chalkboards full of everything. And so you had to simplify the whole thing down. So creationism, and you're trying to go by the letter of the law in the freaking Bible about how that was created? you got to be kidding me. That Bible's man-written. running around, and you can't explain it. There's 20 chalkboards. So you did one sentence, let there be light. And, and again, when you get into the Bible now, the Bible's man-written. Supposed yeah, to be but we had God three-year-old writing down what he thought. How it was done? It's twenty chalkboards full of equations. And that's we, it's funny you, you mentioned uh, Einstein. I'm in the process of watching a mini series uh, called Genius, and it goes back to Einstein. Yeah, it's a really good show. Yeah, I'm enjoying the hell out of that one. It's a really good show. I didn't realize that Einstein was uh, so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Amorous in his uh, in his desires yeah. for women. The guy's a little out of yeah. control there. But I wish they went more into like his thought and how he. I wish they went deeper into like his brain and like this is what he was thinking of. I that think, one year, 1921, I think was his his big year. Was it 1921 or 1914? I can't remember. I think it's so he had that one year when he was really pushing himself, and his push was because he wanted to prove himself to the Germans to be like. Uh, uh, he wanted to prove himself. He had a purpose. And that purpose drove him so deeply. That purpose, like, if you don't have purpose in your life, you don't have that drive, you would never have, you would never would have a year. And what was that purpose? That purpose was because he was suffering. Because as a, as a person, he was not put on the same level as all those other people. So suffering, suffering, and I'm going back to Buddhism yeah. maybe, is that suffering is a necessary human condition for us to understand more for us to think more for us to drive more for us to dig more into the human condition to the suffering makes us more godlike maybe makes us want to be enlightened makes us want to be more wise because i'm suffering i want to end that suffering and so for me to end that suffering i need to study i need to make more wisdom i need to i need to dig more into it you well, see what i'm saying it goes back to the saying you know what doesn't kill us makes us stronger I believe yeah. in that. I believe... Well, Einstein's suffering made him have that glorious year yeah. that he came up with, basically uh, how he basically discovered molecules and proved that molecules exist. 
he went into time and relativity. He went into so many amazing things. Einstein, it, it, because he was suffering, he did all this. And I think or was the suffering already there, and he did it because he already. There's you can go into this whole round of thinking. Well, sometimes the suffering, that. you know, maybe it's always there, and then it comes out at times in a much bigger way, and then you really have to deal with it. Because I think you can only run for so long from the things you yep. have to confront. I think. But here's the question: Is yeah. can he? Did he end that suffering because he came up with all the ideas? No, he didn't end his own suffering. I, I so think that's he, also part of the Buddhism thing: is how do you end suffering? And then you go into the eightfold path and a whole bunch of other things. But is it a linear path that if I do all these things, my suffering will end and I will become enlightened? Or does it go back to the beginning and then I have to... There's, there's really cool thoughts in that. I want, I want to dig into that. We can dig into that and we can dig into that now <laughs> a little bit as well. I, I, I think you're defined, how you define yourself maybe even others around you, is how you handle those moments, those times. Sometimes they go for a long time, how you handle what's happening to you. It's that old saying, again, it's not what happens to you. It's yeah. how you handle what happens to you, how yeah. you get back up. How or you, not or I'll get knocked down, but how you exactly. get back up. Exactly, and you know yeah. that from... Droopy pants, as just, one of my buddies used to always say. There you go, and, and, and how... Uh, how do you handle that? How do you learn from that? Do you become humble because yeah. of the experience, or do you think you're a demigod after the experience? Now, you yeah. go within the depths of the SEAL training and the washout rate being very high. The personalities yeah. are high-geared personalities. They have to be. You know, what happens after that training? Is there, is there, uh, are some people humbled? Do some people all of a sudden believe that they can take on the world at, and it doesn't matter what? I mean, you saw that. What, what's the general, I don't know, the general uh, situation when someone is coming out of that kind of training? Is there that almost godlike feeling? Yeah, I mean, yeah, to a point. But there's also the, the humility and, and the whole thing also because you've done this. You know that there's so many people that are before you, and I showed they have these photos up there, these World War II guys, you know, and those guys were going through some pretty tough stuff. The frogmen, mm. they were swimming, swimming up on the beaches, you know, and they were coming back. Their attrition was like 50%. So half of the guys you swam with every day that you swam were going to get killed. And so we're, we're taught the history that we, we get so much of that, the old stuff, and the World War II and Vietnam, and then so much of that is that really they teach us that this history and this tradition and everything else, but there's also a lot of humility with it also after you make it through because you're like, hey, I just made it through the beginning. I have six more months of training, the advanced training, and then I have this to live up to. So you're, we know we're neophytes, you know, we're freshmen, we're barely there. Again, that's got to be humbling in yeah. a way, because you come through something. You know, something one, so one of my heroes, when you start talking about the SEAL team stuff, is Head. David Goggins. I mean, if you want to look up somebody who's gone through, you know, hell and back, you know, five or six times, I think he, he actually went through uh, Hell Week a couple times, two or three times. He had to keep going back to the beginning. So David Goggins, you know, look up that guy. Really oh. amazing. He's like a super marathoner. He, he ran through Death Valley on broken feet. Like, just amazing. You know, talk about... A humble guy, too, just 
one of one of my heroes. You know, he also has some podcasts, I think, too. What I understand too is that through that training, through the um, through the SEAL training, the beginning of it, Bud's training, so yeah. there are people who get injured and then oh, will yeah. come back again and again yeah. because it wasn't the the physical itself or the mental pressure, uh, you know, unto itself. Just that, their body. Gave it was out. just their body gave out at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And well, what separated you? from that i mean what separates an individual because i i think you're born to get to that level there's something innate into you yeah what was it for you imagine if i if if my energy and me whatever this is me it's not my body it's not this time on earth it's not but this energy is always going to be here and i keep living these things over and over again so if I was a dog, I was a bug, I was male, I was female, I had all these wives and I have all these things I'm trying to learn. And I'm learning each step as I go because I'm living the Ten Commandments and the, the Five Precepts and I'm living by the Code of Nines and I keep trying to do better and better and better. And every time I get better at it, I'm gaining more wisdom. What if I did that an infinite amount of times? Well, hold the thought because we're going to take our last break here. Then we're going to come back and keep going into this. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, we're doing kind of a special show, Comparative Religions. My friend, Kristen Beck, retired Navy SEAL, is my guest. We'll be right back. What's next? I'm next. That's how it works around here. <laughs> Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my special guest, retired Navy SEAL, Kristen Beck. We are talking Comparative Religions and why Kristen is so good to have as a guest and a co-host on this topic. Uh, her experiences, in particular overseas, being part of the SEAL teams, having to go into countries and understand not only their customs, but their religious backgrounds and how that plays a big part in the politics that goes on in these different countries. Obviously, take in the Muslim religion, go over into the Middle East, and you've got some really complicated stuff going on over there. But we've been kind of dancing around the different religions, and we'll start as we go into this in the future. We'll we'll narrow it down and pick one or two to get into specifically when we do this type of show. But, Kristen, getting back to you, your your religious beliefs today. Uh, I assume well, you were that, talking about the SEAL teams. Well, the SEAL teams and, and, and how you, what separated you from the people that didn't make it? And even better yet, what separated you from the rest of the members? Because you even took being a SEAL to a whole other level. All the different things yeah, that you were involved. That. I'm not going to get deep into that because that's we talk yeah. about that personally. But to yeah. give the audience an idea, I mean, you you took these things to a, such a high level. There's something. I mean, do you have a an idea of what separates you from, I would say, the rest of us? <laughs> I mean, it goes into the same thing I was talking about. Uh, about that drive, about that, when you talk about Einstein, he had that year when he came up with all these things. When you have that immense amount of suffering and then you have a drive because you want to prove yourself, because you want to do this, because you want to do that, that extra drive, mm-hmm. because there was that added suffering, it's kind of like you're in the fire all the time. 
a little more fire doesn't matter. You know? So, I mean, it's, and I'm not comparing myself to SEAL teams and to Albert Einstein and the relativity. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that if you don't have something in your life that would push you, that would, you got extra suffering, that extra pain, that extra fire, that fire in the gut, then you're never going to make it through something that's going to challenge you beyond your ability to survive. Like, I mean, the Paris Hilton, that, that, <laughs> that person that runs around drinking and doing stupid stuff. So she was born into a billionaire family, has everything given to her for her entire life. Do you think she would ever make it through any of these trainings? Not unless she was forced to. But that, and you're hitting on on the mark. But then again, there are some people who it appears at times are just born to suffer. Something about them where whether they're challenging themselves or life has challenged them more so than others. I, I have met. I think I probably had a lot of challenges in my life, Mm -hmm. and I've also challenged myself. I mean, some of my friends would say that you know I. You know, one actually is probably not even a good friend, but he said that I wallow in misery. It's like if <sighs> I'd be at the top and I would just do it to myself, there would be something that I would do. I'd just be like, ah, you know, the hell with it. I'd just give everything away. I would just start over. I would totally sacrifice everything and get rid of all of it. And it would be accolades. It would be awards. It would be pretty much everything. And sometimes I would do it on purpose, mm. you know, and sometimes I would do it by mistake, but probably still subconsciously on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what so you it's mean. Like I can't. I could much. never be on top. I could never have happiness or success or anything. I'm, if I, I, a little while ago, I mean, I was making six figures. I was making over $150,000 a year. And basically, I got that job is gone now. Basically, because I gave up everything and I got rid of all of it. And I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And I was living in the back of my car, and I started over. Yeah. I yeah, went from 150000 yeah. salary a year, and I was doing everything. I had a great house. Everything was paid for, and I got rid of all of it. I was living in the back of a car, and then I started all over again, and I was started from scratch. And now you got a beautiful home on a farm, which I got to and now, see yeah, the other now day. Now I'm on a farm, and I have a house and a wife, and yeah. everything's going good. And how long is it going to take me until I get rid of all this again? I think I'll try to talk because I you have out to of learn it. because I, it's that same thing that goes back to the Buddhism thing that and it goes into the all of it about karma and about this materialistic and about and about me not being satisfied with this because this isn't the right path because I still have to figure out my path I still have to learn I haven't had enough hardship to learn enough lessons to do to do well enough to leave this earth well if but you I still have more to prove to myself. Well, if you feel that way about yourself and not enough hardship and life experiences, the rest of us aren't even close then at that point. Course, like I said, I know you pretty well, and I know... But do you remember you know, what I said earlier, that in order for me to get past this, imagine if I did live as a bug and I lived as a dog and I lived as a male and a female, I lived all these different lives and I did all this stuff, and it's the same energy that keeps coming back to try to do that again and again and again. And you're doing the same thing. What if What if I'm just here and I'm not ahead or behind? What if I need to do it differently for me to get to the right level? Well, then you believe in reincarnation then. I don't know if I believe in reincarnation. I don't know if I need to be reincarnated here in this energy. But what if I believe in the same energy exists? I cannot create nor destroy who I am. 
And neither can neither can we create a destroyer because it goes into the laws of physics. Now it's interesting. I got a. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, so that soul yeah. is always going to be here, and I'm always going to do it. So it's not me being reincarnated. I was already here. So I'm not reinventing anything. I'm not reinventing. I'm not. I'm already here. What if I just need to do it again? Because so going back, I'm doing another practice, like a football team. I just need to do another practice. That's I'm not, not a, ready for the game yet. See, I think a big difference within the world. Most people do not think on this level. Most people do not discuss things on this level, unless they're really high. I think I think about this stuff every single day. Oh, oh, I'm not too far behind you. Uh, yeah. Probably one of the reasons that's why we get along so well. <laughs> and that's why this show is kind of an introduction. This show is just to kind of, it's to dangle the carrot in front of a whole bunch of listeners and say that there's going to be a bunch of other episodes talking about this stuff and maybe getting a little deeper. We've touched on a lot of stuff. We've barely dug the surface into any single one of these things, and I want to dig into. The, I want to dig past the surface. I want to really dig in there. Cause I'll tell you what, I've been searching and I listen to podcasts all the time. I, whenever I drive, I just start up and I randomly go through. I just do searches. I have never found a podcast that I can listen to from the introduction through a whole bunch of different series and to really dig into spiritual, to dig into God, to dig into Mother Earth, to dig into Christianity. Christianity, I think, has a ton of flaws. I think that Martin Luther, when he nailed the, you know, talking about the indulgences, and when he nailed his uh, his laws and his things up on the door of the church, you know, Luth- yeah. you know Lutheranism, yeah. I think that he had it kind of right. He started going in the right direction. But then I think that we went off the course again. Well, it, I'm it, kind of talking as a Christian. No, 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 no. Really it's... It's... It's it's funny as you get older. As we were saying before, you start to if you're open mind, you start to incorporate yeah. other beliefs into yeah. what you already have. See, I have a foundation, and so do you, because we were both born yeah. into Christianity. We and and I'll be honest, I walked away from the Catholic Church for many reasons, but yeah. and I got one minute left here to kind of throw this out here, but. I do find myself going back to some of those practices when I'm down and out and I'm trying to find my way out of that hell that I might be in at that moment. So the foundation yep. is there and then the open-mindedness. And I'm going to wrap well, this I wanna, up. Go ahead. I Rook, you got about 30 seconds. Just, just even less than 30 seconds. Hmm. So we want to talk about the Catholics. We want to talk about Christians. I want to talk about Buddhism. I want to talk about karma. I want to talk about paganism. I want to talk about... Uh, you know, Martin Luther and why he nailed those on the indulgences. I want to talk about property ownership. I want to talk about metaphysics, quantum mechanics. I want to get into uh, a few of these things. And this is all the stuff I want to talk about. And this is kind of introduction to dig into these things a little bit further. We got about humanism, secular worth. humanism. We got about I think we can talk about that and shows. new age, new age religion, <laughs> which isn't really the new age. It's not new age anymore. No. It's kind of old. No, we're going to hit it, my friend, and we're going to so wrap it up about- here. And I'll talk to you sometime coming up this week, and we'll figure out the next episode. Okay. You are listening to what well, you were listening to Life Unedited. I've been your host. My name is John Averly, Kristen Beck, retired Navy SEAL. Be back again next week.